you listen to podcasts that sound like this? Hey, welcome back to the Super OK Podcast, where our audio sounds mediocre. Or do you prefer podcasts that sound more like this? Crisp, clear, fun, easy to listen to, and full of awesomeness. Well, then you should check out Spoiler Country, hosted exclusively over at Spoilerverse.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Bridging the Geekdoms. I'm your host, Robert Slavinsky, and do I got a show for you today? Last week, I got a chance to sit down and talk with Kurt Sasso from Two Geeks Talking. It was an amazing conversation talking about his journey from not podcasting to being somebody who podcasts for the last 12 years. It is an incredible story and journey. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. talking with me. Welcome. And I know that this is something that we've been working on and discussing for a number of weeks here, trying to get you on. And with my equipment all screwed up and my internet not being great, it's just, yeah. it's been a complete headache doing this, well, but thank you so much. No, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to interview me. It's, it's been a while since I've been interviewed, so I'll, I'll shake off the rust as much as I can. <laughs> great. Now, I, I don't know too much about you. That was a bit of an intriguing aspect to coming and doing this interview with you because when we talked, I know that my friend John from Spoiler Country, he said, oh, he's he's a really cool guy to talk with. You should definitely get him on your show. And I was like, okay. So I start looking stuff up and all I see is your show. Like, that's it. Like, there's <laughs> you, there's nothing else about you out there. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I watched, I was watching bits and pieces of different interviews that you had and the one thing that I do want to, to say right off the bat is just how impressed I am with your presentation of your interviews and how you go forth talking with the guest and, and really diving into just everything about them. That's that's really hard to find when it comes to a good interview podcast or YouTube show or whatever. It, it, a lot of times people just focus on one little thing and they're like, oh, you were in this movie or oh, you made this song and they just stick to that one thing and they don't really dive into everything. So before we kind of dive into all the intricacies of that, how did you get into being an entertainment interviewer? Well, I'm going to say this right off the bat. I am an introvert converted to an extrovert. And I say that because when I started the show back in 2008, Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview creative people in the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. So it's a broad range of geekdom that I, that I talk about. But when I first started back in 2008, I was helping create a web comics database and list with a good friend of mine, Phil Frumpel. And I said to him, you know what? We have all these amazing webcomic creators that are out there. I would really love to interview them on a podcast. And he's like, go ahead. <laughs> so forcing an introvert to be an extrovert, to become a podcaster was really a, a big step in my, my creative journey. But when I started doing all of this stuff, I didn't know what questions I wanted to ask. I didn't know who I was going to get on the show. It was just a wing and a prayer. Hey, let's try to get these people on. 
it evolved from there. It was actually T- TGT Web Comics was the very first show. TGT Media is the kind of overall brand of what I do. And Two Geeks Talking is what it, everything evolved into for at least for the interview side of things. So I really thought that as we started doing this and a thousand plus interviews in 12 years is, is nothing to sneeze at, but I'm, it's just, it, it still staggers my mind as to thinking I've done a thousand interviews with so many amazing creative people. And I don't know if the world even knows anything about the show or about myself for that matter. You mentioned a, a thousand plus interviews, which is absolutely insane to me. And I just, yeah, I'm starting on the whole interview journey myself. I've, I've dabbled in it in the past. I've more so when it was just the audio podcast side, I would reach out to some of my friends at other podcasts and I talked to a couple cosplayers. That was a lot of fun, but there's so much work that goes into the whole interview process. And to think that you've gone through a thousand plus of those, it's just absolutely baffling to me. And I commend you for it. It's a lot of work, but what would you say has been the most challenging aspect of putting a show on like that on a consistent basis? Burnout. That's, that's the main thing. Burnout. For a good number of years, I, from 2008 to 2012, I was doing two plus hour interviews, audio interviews, and then I'd go to common conventions and I would do 15 minute interviews with, with celebrities and other people at, at those conventions. I'm only one person. You you understand this as well. I, I've seen your work, but I'm only one person that does all the editing, the marketing, the social media, everything like, like that. And so there was a time where I'm going to say 2016 or whatever. I went back to school between 2013, 2016 for a double major in visual arts and film. And I was still doing the show then. And just, I got burnt out by 2017. I put too much of myself out there. I was stretching myself thin health started to go down a lot of other minor things but I just I really found that I needed a break from the show so I took about a year off I did sporadic interviews here or there and then I, I came back to it more more recently in about 2018 or so and so I oh god oh no I was gonna say when, when you talk about being burnt out I completely understand that uh, my show with my my co-host Colton we started back in early 2017 and uh, we went strong. I mean, we were doing one, two, sometimes three shows a week, nonstop for two and a half years. And we got to a point where we just were like, all right, we, we, we're kind of burnt out. And, and we both stopped for about a year. Maybe I was a little less than a year that we stopped because I kind of, John pulled me in from spoiler country. He pulled me in like, we want Star Wars content, do Star Wars. So he pulled me back into to creating everything and, and, and doing a podcast, but it, 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 it's one of those things you just get so burnt out and you get stuck in this law where you're, where you want to continue, but you just don't know if you can, if you want to. And, and I've, I've actually hit that wall a couple times. Luckily the second time it happened, it only lasted about a month if mm-hmm. that, but you hit that and you're just, I think for me, I don't know for you, but it was, you don't see progression. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And you're hoping that people are going to start listening or watching or following and you're not seeing it happen. You're not seeing your show grow Mm -hmm. and you get to that point where it's, is it even worth it anymore? Yeah. I'm having a lot of fun, but 
I'm having fun talking to a, a monitor or to a wall. Like there's nothing, <laughs> there's no substance there that's getting out. And to me that I, I agree being burnt out is one of the most difficult challenges. Uh, how did you completely overcome that though? I, I think for me, 2020 was kind of, well, 2019, I kind of became a little more serious with getting back into it. I had, I had done vacational every couple of months and, and I found a bit of a rhythm. I found some new questions to ask. I started going more introspective with with the people rather than focusing in on just the current project that they were doing. I mean, that's still part of the show. Don't get me wrong, but I try not to rely on past, as you mentioned previously in, in the interview. I, yes, the past is great. They've, whoever they are, they've made amazing accomplishments in their life, but let's focus on the here and now and maybe touch upon what they're, they did to get to where they are now. And so from an introspective perspective, I found that especially talking with a lot of just comic creators in general, seeing their mindset, seeing how creative they are with their characters, with their worlds, with everything else like that, just kind of just gave me a little more boost of energy. And you need content in order to go to comic conventions as well too, as press. And that's, that's the other thing. And there was a good span between, well, I mean, besides the pandemic, I mean, between 2018 on, I haven't been to a comic convention at least as press, only because my content wasn't up to their standards or the, the amount of content I wasn't putting out was not there. So when I was doing, say, eight interviews in a year, oh, no, sorry, we're not going to give you press pass. Okay, understandable. I get that. So I have to up my game. I have to now start putting out content. I just now start putting out interviews on a weekly basis. I now have to start getting a queue going. I now have to start actively finding guests on the show and being a little more proactive rather than what I'm doing. And so that gave me more energy to start getting back into the swing of things and, and, and finding a reinvigoration that I, I desperately needed, plain and simple. <laughs> I mean, I have a queue. I've never had a queue in 12 years. I've always been week to week and I would always edit it in that same week and I would always release it in that same week. And now I have a backlog. I have 12 plus interviews in the scheduled right now scheduled and i have maybe three that i have to edit <laughs> so Jeez. i have a lot to do <laughs> yeah yeah well that you go and you get burnt out you find yourself in this place you you then kind of give yourself new goals you give yourself mm -hmm. just kind of some resurgence of sorts and you start pushing forward and again i can i can completely um relate to that in a way because you know as i said we took a year off i came back and then for me you're saying how the comic convention thing kind of they weren't for them your stuff wasn't up to snuff so you had to adjust you had to change and it seems like that gave you a bit of a resurgence there for me it was the confidence that John and Spoiler Country put in me like, oh, look, we want you. We want you to do this. And that kind of gave me a boost of excitement, energy, and really pushed me forward. And and I can't thank them enough for what they've done over the past, what has it been now, two years since they did that. I've at least experienced that you still hit those points. And you're sitting here saying, oh, I have all this backlog and all this. 
that can get overwhelming. And as you said, you get, you're the one that does it all. You interview, you schedule, you edit, you produce, you do all that. It kind of gets overwhelming. Isn't there ever a moment for you where you're just, ah, I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Sometimes I, I, <laughs> I, I look, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that I haven't done interviews a couple of months ago that I really should have edited by now, but mm. I, I've done interviews a couple of months ago that I should have edited by now. It is what it is, but they're, they're there. And then other, other interviews crop up where, Hey, I have a Kickstarter. I have to get it out by this date. And so I have to start rearranging schedules and things like that. So mm -hmm. uh, as much as I hate, I really hate pushing past interviews down in the queue in order to get other interviews forward if even if i don't think that they're going to be beneficial i'm doing it because it's, it's a professional courtesy more than anything and i really think that when you take time to do interviews like this you know you're looking to get it promoted you're looking to have that person say yes i was on this show to promote my talking about my current project some people, it doesn't happen. There are some guests where I've given them the, the information and they have not, other than a simple retweet, they have not actively shared it. And that to me feels like a kick in the balls, pardon the expression, like plain and simple. It's like you took the time to schedule yourself with the show and I'm eternally grateful for that. You're here promoting your product and yourself, which it's the basis of two geeks talking promotion of yourself. If you're not able to promote yourself, that's why you're on the show. That's why I actively look for people that are brand new to their industry or seasoned professionals. I want to give everyone that chance, not only to showcase themselves, but to also showcase the talent that they have. And maybe share some nuggets of wisdom to those that are, are listening and watching to the show itself. But when I get people that actively do not showcase their own interview it makes me a little gun shy in the sense that i don't want to necessarily have them back on because are they going to promote this one you know if you're not taking the time to pro if you're taking the time to promote yourself on on multiple interview shows and you're selective in what you're doing as to who you're promoting then i'd rather have someone that's hungry for the interview to come on the show Absolutely. I, I'm sorry. I completely mind blanked on your question. No, no, that's perfectly fine because we're kind of diving into a little bit of the, the mindset behind doing what you do and, and it, whether it's being an entertainment interviewer or if you're somebody who just wants to podcast with a couple of friends and just talk about movies or uh, mm -hmm. sports, there's that whole aspect of marketing and that is a difficult aspect within this, this little, I don't know what we want to call it. Cause it's not a, I mean, it is a hobby for some, but to others, this is something that you love doing. And for me, I don't consider it a hobby. I, I know it is. I know my fiance would say, Oh, it's your hobby, but <laughs> until you start making money from it, it's a hobby. <laughs> I, I love doing it. And there's that whole aspect of, when you're talking to people, when you're interviewing these people who are making comics, making music, making movies, they should take pride, pride in their work enough that they're going to help showcase themselves and with you. They went to you, they talked to you to promote their content. Now they have to promote that 
so they can promote their content. Now, so I just want to put a caveat on this and what I previously said, though. This is not everyone. 99.9999 infinity percent promote the heck out of what they do because they're very passionate and they love, they, you know, they're thankful and everything like that. And, and like I said, I appreciate them. It's the occasional one or two people that, that I've had on in the past and they want to come back on. And it's like, I, I want to have you on, but I want you to, to market yourself as well. I've not been monetized since 2000 and whenever they shut it off, 2016 on YouTube. Mm -hmm. that's, that's gone. I have 450 something subscribers in 12 years. I've done a thousand plus interviews. Is that my fault for not promoting it? Or is that the algorithm that's constantly against me right now? You know, I'm one of 7 billion people that are doing content like this. Yeah. Roughly. And it's, it's, there's frustration. There's, you know, why am I doing this? So back to your, your, the whole thing of the burnout factor as well. Why am I doing this? Am I making money on this? No, I haven't made money on this in forever. I think I made 10 bucks at one point, <laughs> <laughs> but I've had podcasts. I've had video interviews. I've done both at the same time. I've released that type of content continuously. I've promoted on multiple social media platforms. And so I love that these next 12 or so people that I have currently as of this, this interview are, are clamoring to be on the show to talk about themselves, to be interviewed about themselves. That makes me excited. That, that's what keeps me going. If someone's passionate about their work, even though if it, even if it's their first time doing an interview, I love the fact that they're willing to take that chance. Oh yeah, I, you're you're not wrong. And, and I and again, you know, I apologize if it came across like I was saying all no. of the people you interview because I know it's not. I see it on our network, on the Spoilerverse network. I see that there, and I've had long discussions with the guys over on the network. Like, look, you got to release an episode. You got to promote it. You have to promote that episode, whether it's for a week, three days, whatever. You can't just put one post out and be done with it. You can't tweet one time and say, hey, we talked to this guy. See ya. <laughs> but then you have to show your passion. You have to, to show your excitement for what you're doing because those people who come on your show, and I'm not saying you, I'm just saying in general for everybody, they want to see that because that might help them get just as excited about their own stuff because they're seeing fans excited. And that's what I try to tell people all the time when it comes to doing anything like this is you have to lead with excitement. You have to, if you're not going to be passionate about it, nobody is going to want to watch. Nobody's going to want to listen. Nobody's going to want to be on the show. You have to be passionate. And I can tell, and again, I, I, obviously haven't watched all 1,000 interviews that you've done, but I was going through them over the last couple of weeks and I can tell that passion with you. And I can tell that is why you're getting people on the show. That is why people are willing to talk to you because of the passion and the excitement that you bring. And what what is it for you? Because you talk, again, just like my channel, we talk about a lot of everything, video games, comics, movies, everything. How do you stay so excited about talking about all that and, and talking to these creators about all of it. Well, I, I think for me, it, it comes down to, I don't know who these people are, plain and simple, until I do my research. <laughs> I, I don't know who the, my next guest is, unless they've actively been on the show in the past. 
I have no idea who I'm talking with. They are a blank slate to me. They could be extremely famous. They could be brand new to the industry, but that's my excitement level. I don't know absolutely anything about these people other than what they are currently trying to talk about. And so the excitement for me is talking about their work, talking about themselves, looking at what they've done in the past, looking at the social media, a variety of other things, if they've been on other interviews, you know, seeing if, if they're maybe more introverted than extroverted, you kind of get a sense of that when you're talking to certain people. And, and you know, how can I make them comfortable on the show? How can I make sure that when they're talking about themselves, are they nervous? So I'll talk with them for five minutes or so before the show, get a good feel for what they're like. But literally, I have no idea who these people are unless I either actively search for them and get them on the show or they've been on the show in the past. So it's not that I'm, I want to not know anything about them. It's just that I don't know anything about them, which is why I have to do my investigation and my research. And that's why I love new people. I, that's why I love these, whether they're movie stars or whether they're, they're comic creators or whatever. It's just, I love the fact that they're, they're doing something with their life that's creative and not a lot of people can say that. Yeah. So we, as interviewers, this is a creative endeavor. This is a professional, um, job hobby or not it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're getting paid or not this is you're still taking the time to be a professional interviewer and so if you come across that if you're genuine in, in how you talk to people and how you ask questions and how you you know you know engage with them you know it's going to show in in your interviews and it's going to make them more comfortable and maybe get them back on and the next time they do something else What's going on everyone? Are you still looking for that perfect one-stop shop for all things pop culture? You know, that one place where you can hear hot takes about superheroes, Star Wars, video games, and more? Well, fear not. Bridging to Geekdoms is the place for you. A podcast that focuses on the current rumors, scoops, and controversies within the pop culture world. Hosted exclusively on the Spoilerverse Network, you can find us on any one of your favorite podcatching apps, YouTube, and at spoilerverse.com. So don't miss out on the excitement. Find us and subscribe now. So 12 years, long time. Yes. What would you say were your goals starting out? When you started, what were your goals and have they changed to now? Like, are you looking at, oh, I want to, this is my, the ultimate prize. This is the, the person I want to interview most or anything like that. Well, they're dead, so I can't do that. Um, <laughs> Stanley was my ultimate. Oh, player. okay. Yeah. So I have a documentary I've been putting together for the past 10 years or so called Little Person Amongst Media Giants. And my last four questions on every interview is, dives into the mindset of creative people whether they're in the entertainment industry or, or whatever. And so my last four questions are very broad. They're very generic, but it's about success and failure in your own personal life and professional life. And so I wanted to, to interview people like a Stanley and see other creators, whether they're brand new to the industry or whether they're a seasoned professional, I wanted to know what makes you tick? Why are you so passionate about what you do? Are you successful? What do you think of failure? A variety of other things. It's, it, 
et cetera, et cetera. And comic convention is really the best way to do that because it's a face-to-face -face interview. You have five minutes to talk with these people. You don't want to gum up their queue or anything like that. You want to be cognizant of they're there to sell. So quick interviews, quick questions, put this all together, put it into your documentary. It's still ongoing. But my goals in life were, when I first started, was I want to do 100 interviews. It doesn't matter how long it takes, I want to do 100 interviews. And then I want to do 200. And I want to do five. I want to do 10. You know, I want to do 1,000. I've hit that goal. Let's do the next 100. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Could be a year, could be six months, could be three months, whatever. I want to make sure that I keep pushing myself to the next goal. And success and failure resides in myself, plain and simple. I'm the only one doing this, so I'm the only one that can fail. <laughs> I'm the only one that can not edit an interview. I'm the only one that can't get a guest for the show. It's all on me. So realistically, well, here's for the next hundred. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening to your answer. And I'm like, ah, oh, look at my next question. I'm like, man, he kind of ruined my next question a little bit, but I'm still going to ask it. You were sitting there talking about your goals and just get a hundred, get 200, get a 500,000. And you're talking about how, when it comes to success, you're the factor in that you're the one who can create the success or not. But let's just say today, today, your show ended done. No more. What is the one accomplishment and you can't say how many episodes you did. What is, what is the one accomplishment from this adventure that you've had that you can hang your hat on? You can just take comfort in and say, it was all worth it because of this. The fact that I did this with very little help. I've had, and let me phrase this properly. I've had co-hosts in the past. I've had about 60 co-hosts, I think. Oh, wow. Just in general i had one main yeah i had one main co-host for the first 60 episodes phil and if it wasn't for him this show wouldn't have gotten started but if i more recently i think any of my comic-con interviews that i've had in my in my la at my very last convention i mean i was i was brought into a media roundtable a couple years back for a variety of different sci-fi shows lost girl and defiance a bunch of others and then I got face-to-face -face time and that some of them remembered me from past interviews was, was kind of a cool thing. It's like, Hey, how you doing? Or they're signing autographs at a table at a booth and they see me and they wave type deal or whatever. It's just like, cool. I, I remember that person went. So I, the, the interactions is, would be the best thing I could say. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great answer. And, and that's kind of what you would want to be the answer whenever you're doing what you do. I mean, it, for me, if we take a look at what I've done with my show, if, if my accomplishment would be that I just had a lot of fun. I could sit there and say, I had a lot of fun doing this. I've talked with some cool people. I've made some great friends. And that to me has been more important than seeing the view tick go up or the subscriber ticks go up. And yeah, I did say a little bit ago that that can be a little debilitating whenever you don't see that stuff going up and, and you're getting the views, but that's always just a small fraction of it. As I sit here, Twitter is a hellscape. <laughs> it's one of those things like <laughs> it is a, 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 when you do this kind of stuff, you need to use Twitter and it's unfortunate <laughs> because Twitter can be 
so annoying from time to time. And I'm just going to you know, be honest with you. And I stayed away from it. The first three years of our show, I stayed away from it. I did not start utilizing Twitter on a regular basis until last May, last June, June 20 of 2020, right when the pandemic started. And the friendships that I actually made on there, the connections that I've made have brought me so much more enjoyment out of doing this than pretty much ever seeing that subscriber count go up or the view counts go up or anything like that. And to your point, you know, it's just the interaction, just getting the chance to, to meet, talk to, and have these conversations with people that are interesting. <laughs> That's really the best way to put it. So I like your answer and I'm stealing your answer. But <laughs> well, well, and here's the thing. 90% of my interviews are from Twitter. Okay. Like if I didn't, set up my Twitter account, I would be emailing people directly. And, yeah. and 10, 10 years ago or so, it was a lot easier to email people because they actively looked at email. Yeah, not anymore. No, no, because <laughs> not. as soon as you see anything that's not, you know, a job offer, or if you're not, yeah. if you don't know that person, it's pretty much ignore it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like spam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, I want to get into you a little bit more. And I, and sure. I wanted to do that in the beginning, but you like where where do you come from like how did you what drew you to doing this what was it you you talk about movies comics television all that stuff but growing up was that what you were into or just that kind of thing like what what got you to that point look i'm a geek plain and simple i mean i don't <laughs> think i'd have to name my show as geek if i wasn't a geek. so here so funny thing back in high school way back when i won't say the year is when I got into, so I'll tell you how big of a geek I am and see if you can place me. So the high school cliques, the traditional high school cliques, the jocks, the nerds, the band people, theater, etc. So I was not only in the computer science club, I was also in the music program and I was also in football. So where could you categorize me? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. They, they couldn't think of it either. So long story short, early age. So cartoons, uh, Hanna-Barbera, 80s, 80s, 90s cartoons is, is how it all got started. Polka Dot Door, Sesame Street, Smurfs, Gummy Bears, Eat the Cat. You name a cartoon from the 80s, late 70s, early 80s to today, I've probably watched it. Sci-fi, Highlander and, and Star Wars were my two biggest things. Love Star Trek as well, but I'm more of a Star Wars thing. Nothing, nothing beats the opening ships coming in with John Williams music with the whole mm -hmm. thing. It just, you, you can't beat that. Um, Music-wise, I was, like I said, I was in band. I played clarinet. My mother got me into clarinet because she played. So you know, listening to orchestral scores, Jurassic Park, everything. I, I, I kind of want to cut you off here, but I mean, I don't know your age, but you and I... I, I take a guess. I'm curious. 38-ish? <laughs> oh, thank you. No, 41, 42. Oh, okay. Not too bad then. <laughs> You're not much older than me, but <laughs> it's really interesting because your journey sounds very similar to my journey just now again you're you're what six years older than me seven years older than me so my 
cartoons were a little different. I did watch Hanna-Barbera, but they were in rerun. And I mean, they were probably in reruns for you too, but it was on the Cartoon Network yeah. and yeah, stuff like things. that. It was, yeah. And it was, a lot of it was reruns. The The newer cartoons, the 90s cartoons are what I was more into though. Oh, yeah. But the band, I was in band. I was, oh, an, no. I was an art student more than a computer. We didn't really have a computer class mm -hmm. in my high school. Otherwise, I would have been in that. <laughs> but I was very much an art student as well. I was in every art class. I took every one that I could. Nice. So I was in band, art, and I played rugby. I was okay. a jock in a way, <laughs> playing rugby. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting to hear you're talking about all this stuff. Then you talk about Star Wars. Then you talk about your love for orchestral music. And let me tell you, that was me growing up is... My mom actually, it was my, it was between junior and senior year and I was going to the, the prom my junior year and we had it at, our, I live right outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and we had it in the orchestral hall. It's called Heinz Hall there. Nice. And that's where our prom was. And I get out of the limo and I kind of look up and there's a poster for an upcoming show with John Williams composing the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. Oh, that would have been awesome. And I was like, that is cool. I can't miss that. So I go home and my mom goes, ah, oh. like what? She's like, I got tickets for us to go. I was like, no way. <laughs> so my mom, like, you know, that's kind of mom she was. So she got tickets and, and I got to go see John Williams compose the orchestra live. It was phenomenal. But that's kind of the, the kid. I was so into that, the, the, music scores from films film scores were just yeah. everything to me and, and even today Still i are, yeah. yeah you look at my spotify and it's just <laughs> hans zimmer john williams yeah. kevin kiner yeah it just goes on well, <laughs> so many different anime music as well for me too because that's how i got into anime as well was was ironically sailor moon was my very first anime i watched go figure because i was trying to date the girl that was watching it. but it's funny but <laughs> Speaking of Star Wars and, and the orchestra, the, so the local symphony orchestra here in, in Windsor, Ontario had a contest and I had actually got tickets to sit on stage while they were playing. Mm -hmm. And so there's another show that's in this area as well with a minor rivalry, but we're, we're friends. And so he, he does a comic show and I do Two Geeks Talking. And so we were on opposite tables against each other. So I basically binge listened to everything John Williams for Star Wars from episode one to like episode seven at the time. We, our team won. Hats off to that. <laughs> I just want to you were talking about all of your growing up and, and being into all of the, the geekiness that, that a, a, a typical geek should be into. <laughs> How did that lead you to getting to doing a show? Like, where does, where does that idea come? It's just, because of the website database for web comics. So literally when in the, so I was playing WoW with Phil and, you know, he said, well, do you like web comics? And I said, yeah, I love web comics, but I've only read a few. And, and Penny Arcade was the big thing and Control Delete and all those other stuff. And he's like, well, I have, I have a web comics list. And so he sent me his list and it's 4,000 web comics at the time in, in the late nineties. Sorry, I should say mid-90s. 4,000 webcomics is huge. So I got, the, I got this huge list. And so he started putting together an SQL database of all these webcomics so that you could just search a directory. And 
that's when I said to him, hey, we should interview these webcomic people. And so episode 10, we had Phil Folio from Girl Genius Online, or Girl Genius, I should say. Him and, and Kaja Folio are longtime comic creators of, of an amazing webcomic, and they still do it in the traditional sense. And they also did Magic the Gathering cards and all that other stuff as well, too. So that's, that was a, a cool segue. But episode 10 was like, this is the first time I had ever talked to anyone famous. So that to me was just, that blew my mind. It was like, it was huge. It was like, oh my God, I'm talking to a, a celebrity in, in web comics. This is awesome. A couple of years later, by 2010, maybe, yeah, 2010 is when I went to my very first comic convention in Chicago at C2E2. And I got to interview the Scott Kurtz and, and Chris Straub and, and, and Dave Kellett and Jill Thompson, who did Sandman and a bunch of others. Like I did two, I did 80, 80 plus interviews in a three day span and they were 15 minute interviews each. So I was literally editing it for, for days after that, but it, it just, it, if it wasn't for web comics, I wouldn't have done this show. If it wasn't for, you know, looking at that list of 4,000 plus web comics, I wouldn't have had the idea to interview them. And if it wasn't for Phil, I wouldn't have gotten that list and I wouldn't have had him as, a, as an amazing co-host to guide me, at least initially, to how to approach people and how to talk to people and how to be more extroverted than, than both of us actually are. So, Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I love hearing the stories of those, of people who when they how they break in like what is that what was that moment where you're just like hey this is a great idea let's do something like that and sometimes it's just as simple as you saw a list of all these comics and you're just like hey let's do this and uh, to me that's I, I would never have thought of that i would have just looked at those comics be like hey i'm gonna go over here and read some of them i'm gonna go <laughs> that's all i would have thought of uh, I, I wouldn't have thought like okay there's something here we can make something of this and and even if it's just for our own enjoyment, let's go do this. I never, that's not anything I would have ever thought of. So that's, that's really, really cool how you just something that small, that small, <laughs> just, yeah, 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 something just, that small and simple. One thing I do like to ask a lot of people is what would you recommend? So if a guy came up to you on the street and it's just like, look, I love your show. I would love to do something like that, but how do I do it? What should I do? What do you recommend for people to get into, even if it's not interviewing, even if it's just simply sitting down and doing a podcast? What do you recommend and how do you tell people to go about it? When I started doing this in 2008, I literally had no idea what I was doing. Literally. To be fair, nobody in 2008 knew what they were doing when it came to this stuff. So, Right. So <laughs> when I started... Mark Maron had just started his podcast with WTF. A bunch of other celebrities had just started their own podcasts. So I started around the same time as them. I had no idea. I didn't have a following. I didn't have anyone backing me. I didn't have cash. I didn't have anything like that. I just found the cheapest way possible to start a podcast, which at the time was TalkShoe, use Skype and called into it and had them call into the show. And that's how I started the first episode. I think I used that. So uh, not to cut you off and, and that, but 
back around 2012-ish, maybe 2011, I, I was between jobs. And I'm a huge fan of hockey. Absolutely big fan. And luckily for me, I'm from Pittsburgh. So I've gotten to witness some amazing players come through Pittsburgh. But... Yeah, you got lucky with Crosby, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, you're... Red Wings. You're a Red Wings fan? Really? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, no matter... I mean, I'll look. Okay. So... A <laughs> little off topic, but sure. <laughs> yeah. So when, when Tiger Stadium was still around, my dad took me to my first Tiger games. And so in 93 or four, when Ken Griffey Jr. was still playing, he hit a homer to right field and I nearly caught it. It, it dropped and it skirted off and someone else picked it up. A year later on ESPN, when they were talking about the strike, they showed Ken Griffey hit that home run and me and my dad were up on ESPN. <laughs> so no matter how bad the Detroit team suck, I've always rooted for them. Yes, I know I'm Canadian. That's beside the point. That was kind of my, yeah. <laughs> Every other person in my family, for the most part, not all of them, but about half, are Toronto fans. I mean, I feel for them because of the Maple Loafs, but that's beside the point. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Okay, no, that's fine. Um, I actually got into a up-and-coming website, which has since closed down, but... I was the beat writer for the Penguins for that website. Oh, awesome. So much so that I got to go to Penguin games and sit in the press box for free. It was a dream come true for a hockey fan. And I wanted to take that experience and do a show. And I think that what you were talking about there, that program where you call okay. in. Yeah, I think that I tried using that at that time. And that's whole... Thing. Yeah, the worst audio quality. Oh, it was bad. I mean, it was like 64 hertz for the audio. It was just, <laughs> it was so bad that I had to upsample it to try to get it to 128. It was just, and and it was mono too, so I had to I had to make it a stereo, and it was just, it was just so bad. Jay Jay can tell you stories about it. he he was on the show way back when as well for, that, for his other shows, and it was oh God, it was just yeah. so painful. But it, it worked. It was a cheap alternative. It was free. And then they wiped my entire archive. And so, yeah, that was fun. Luckily, I, had a, I still have a physical backup. <laughs> but my, at the time, 700 plus interviews by 2017, or no, 2016, were wiped. Like, they didn't give me any heads up. They didn't give me any warnings. They just wiped everything. And it was just like, oh, but you can come back. Oh, but there's a cost. Jeez. Oh, but there's a there's a limit to how much you can upload every month. Oh, there's this and this and this. Okay, I, I won't be back. That's why I'm mm. reluctant to re-uploading the podcast. I I will be doing it. I'll be doing like the first ten minutes of of the interviews that I've done in the past, but the rest will be on a Patreon paywall. Makes That's sense. The only way I can make money. <laughs> now, so are you? So I mean, from it's not active. <laughs> no, uh, no. I, what I want to get to is, you know, we're, we're telling people, if you want to start, just start. You know, yeah. find find it. a way to do it. You know, I, I I know we talk about famous podcasters. One of the most famous out there, which probably not as much as he used to be, Kevin Smith. Kevin oh, Smith. We're going this road, okay? <laughs> but I mean, he always says, you know, you got a smartphone, just use your smartphone. Well, uh, you I, can do actually, that. Actually, segue. Jason Muses, who also I've interviewed as well. Oh, okay. So he was, he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, when it wrapped up, it's it did an animated final season. It, it, if you've never seen it, you'll love it. It's a it's Canadian based, but honestly, mm. you can't really tell. But it's it's hilarious. If you love horror, if you love it's not it's like campy horror, but mm-hmm. it's 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 hilarious. I like campy horror. I do you'll, like campy. You'll horror. love this show. If you can find the first three seasons, it's live action. Then the I think the the fourth season is animated. Anyhow, Jason Mewes was at this panel. I got to interview him. You know, he was neighbors with Logan Paul actually before Logan Paul decided to become a boxer or whatever he is nowadays. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyhow, but he was he was talking about Kevin Smith a lot, as in you know, you know, you can see the influence Kevin Smith had over Jason's life and and how mm-hmm. Jason reciprocated it in interviews, and it's just amazing to see. So sorry, go. Ahead. Oh no, yeah, that, but uh, what I'm saying is, there's people out there that they they, lo- they want to do something like this, and not just this, but be creative in any way, shape, or form. And that's the biggest thing: is just do it. Find a way to do it, and do it. You don't have to go and buy an $800 computer or a $600 microphone or anything like that. You there's so much at your fingertips now, and it's it's never been easier to do it. And a lot of people they get a little hesitant, not so much because of the equipment I've found. A lot of people I've talked to are, well, what's the point when you have Kevin Smith, a Joe Rogan, a Dax Shepard, Michael Rosenbaum, you know, you have all these actors, all these big names that are pulling all of the listens. There's only so much time in a day for people to listen. And they, they always sit there and say, what is the point? And again, I'll go back to what I said before is your passion. That That is the big difference. I'm not going to sit there and say that all of those people I mentioned are not passionate. But if you continuously bring your passion, your excitement, and what you then do is you give something else for the listener to listen to. You have to. I mean, look, if I, would, if I was so obsessed with, with my subscriber count or, or with, you know, this interview has under a hundred views, I'm just going to delete it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing this for, for what I do. Oh, and, and you know, <laughs> it's funny you say that I've been, obviously I've been trying to build my YouTube now for the better part of a year. And I was doing some research the other day, like what's the best way to help grow your channel, this and that. And there are literally people out there saying, delete your bad content, your content that has 10 views. It has 10 views for a reason. Delete it. Oh, you, you did this. The audio wasn't great. Delete this. And I'm sitting there like, no, because that's my history. That is, you could see the progression in my show. And that's one thing I love. I love when I find a show that I like, I go back and start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then I love to hear their growth and their progression up to where they're at now. Why would I get rid of that stuff? Don't get me wrong. I'm going back. I just uh, edited an old episode that I'm planning on re-releasing. It's just audio, but I was listening to it and I, it was an hour and 40 minute episode. All right. Hour and 40 minutes. I legitimately cut out 25 minutes of ums, uhs, likes, and you knows. 25 minutes. So you take a look at (laughs) from there to where I'm at now, not saying I don't do that still. I do. I'm human. But I've grown. I've known. I know not yeah. to do that now. You you start you thinking like it's like do I have other words I can use besides this, or do I'll take a little longer of a pause and then I can cut that down a lot easier. Yes, you know things like that. But 
back to yeah, talking about that stuff, there's a reason why I haven't gone back to my other thousand interviews and edited them. And it's because of two things. One, time. And two, some are two to three hours long. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to do that. Yeah. I, I can't. I, I logistically can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. want to. I want to clear up awkward questions and long pauses and the ums and the ahs and the you knows and awesomes and whatever else that I, I tossed in there. I'd love to clean up all that stuff. I just can't. I, I just think that it's, it's the progression of an interview. The reason why I've changed up my questions over the past couple of years is because I got into a rut. I mean, I needed to change it up. So I looked up interview questions online. I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it. Yeah. So I found some really great interview questions that have now triggered. That's a great question. Oh man, this is a hard question. I give me a second to think about it. Things like that, that, that keep me more interested in the person. It hopefully people that are watching and listening to the show, they like that factor as well too. They like the fact that, you know, these people are now talking about themselves a little more candidly. And, and I think it's just, it's awesome to hear more about them than the standard. Oh, so you've done this comic. Oh, what else have you done? Yeah. No, I completely, completely <laughs> agree with that. And we, we discussed it a little bit, I think mm-hmm. on, oh, there we go <laughs> on a Twitter feed maybe exchange i don't know where it was i think we were talking about it somewhere about editing and (laughs) yes it was twitter (laughs) yeah and i used to be that person who thought oh there's so much there's so much better content when you don't edit i legitimately thought that for quite some time because i thought all those little quirks that i had were funny i'd listen to it i'd laugh but then i go back a few years later i'm like what was I thinking? That's, that's horrible. Why would I do that? And even when somebody like John from Spoiler Country sitting there saying, stop, edit, don't do that. You don't know what you're talking about. You, you have no idea. It, it's one of those things. And for me, it was, I had to learn. I had to learn for myself as I went forward. Oh, that doesn't sound good. I should probably start editing. Or I should yeah. teach myself how to not to use those filler words. Mm. A half a second longer pause is better than going, uh, and, and like, you know, that's better. So, and that's what I do as well, too. So the past couple, so this is bad to admit, but for at least 10 years, I didn't edit. Mm. It's only the past three or four years, I think yeah, three or four years that I've started to edit. And the only reason I do that is because either it's a technology issue I'm having, either the video will go screwy or my audio will cut out or something like that, that I know I've checked, but I have to fix. And so when I'm doing all of that stuff and when I'm looking back and during an interview, I'll ask a question and maybe I'll just be too long-winded and I'll be just like, okay well here's actually the question i want to ask there goes a good minute there goes 30 seconds that i didn't need that was just filler that you know unless it's something as a segue to the question then that's a little different but you learn these little tips and tricks as you're going on as you're talking as you're interviewing to pe- as you're interviewing people but you can get a feel for how the interview is going to so if my interview is an hour or at least scheduled for an hour 
and I can tell that the guest is getting tired or that they're rehashing answers, I can cut it short. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, these are really great questions. Let me, let me stop and let me ask my last four. You know, yeah. let's give, give them a break. You, you, you get a sense of that with, with the other person. But it also depends on how comfortable they are with you. And so because of those edits, because of those, the ability to edit, it really does help tighten up a lot of stuff. And so if I'm long-winded with an intro, because I, I haven't made a custom intro yet, which I really should, I, I think that it just helps clean up a lot of things. So maybe they've answered a question and they've already answered it again. Hey, you know, as I answered before, or, or again, you know, it's this, this, and this. It's like, okay, well, I can cut this out. Yeah. You know, it's just, you and get then, a feel for it. And that's exactly it. If you're wanting to get into it, don't be overwhelmed and afraid of all the technical sides of things. Just get into it, do it, have fun. Again, your passion, your excitement is what's going to drive you. And, and again, the relationships, in my opinion, and my experience, the relationships that I've made have made this so worth just doing and, and just having fun. I'm talking to somebody from Canada here that I never would have met any other way than doing this. I, John from Spoiler Country, he lives in Seattle across mm-hmm. the entire country, the other side of the country. I would never have met him had it not been for this. And we've had some amazing conversations and I just want people to know and, and it's just do it, have fun. Do it and have fun. <laughs> and if you stop having fun, take a break. There's no yes. no shame in that whatsoever. Exactly. If you're not feeling the energy, if you're not feeling the excitement that you have in talking or, or whatever your show is about or whatever your, your topics are about, then then take a break. Nothing. No one's going to kill you for it. No. Like you, you, you have to. Well, at the end of my shows now, I wanted to do kind of a... Fast five, fast six, actually it's six questions now. I okay. changed it. Uh, but a fast six questions I w- I'm going to ask you. <laughs> but I'm going to run through them. Answer them as quick as you want. You don't have to, there's no timer, obviously. But answer them as quick as you can. Some of them are easy, yes or no kind of questions or this or that kind of questions. And number one, you kind of answered already, but Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, yeah. DC or Marvel? Independent creators. <laughs> Did Han shoot first? Yes. That, that's, that's, if anyone says otherwise, they've been watching the edited version by Lucas that he was on LSD at the time. <laughs> All right. I can't, I, I can't tell if this is going to be a good question for you because you're from Canada. So I don't even know if you have this up there, but Subway or Quiznos? They're we, sandwich we have, shops. So we have we have Subway just to let you know. Okay, okay, good, good. Um, <laughs> Look, I've been to Canada once. I've been to Canada also, once, and I was we, young. So. Here, here, let me dispel some Canadian myths. We don't live in igloos. We don't have, we don't ride <laughs> mooses. We do have the Penguin Mafia, the Polar Bear Triad, and the, yeah. Yeah, sorry, the Polar Bear Mafia, the Penguin Triad, and the whatever the moose are. It sounds wrong, but there are different brands within different countries. Okay, so uh, I I don't know. No no fault on you whatsoever, (laughs) but we do have a lot of really cool, at least down here, we have a lot of ethnic food and a lot of of small cultural shops and all that other stuff too. So yes, Subway is is perfectly fine. (laughs) And then finally, what show or podcast out there do you love that you feel others don't give enough attention to two gigs talking (laughs) 
it's always I, a I have to. It's look, I mean, I could promote other people. I could say, you know, Sparla Country. I could say Bridging the Geek Team. I could say whatever else. But to be perfectly honest, like we're here as a collab. We're here talking to each other. We're here promoting this this show as well as your own. And I, I think that the only way you can truly listen and watch to your own I, I think that what you can only do is is promote yourself. Yes, I listen to other stuff though. I don't don't get me wrong. Yes, I do listen to other things, but I don't do it on a continuous basis. That's no, it. and and that's that kind of goes hand in hand with what we're telling people. You know, don't be afraid to jump in, but also don't be afraid to just get your name out there. Just selflessly promote, just promote, promote. Ask your friends and family to get on to follow, to subscribe, to listen. Tell them to wear a t-shirt, tell them to pass out a sticker. Don't be afraid to do that because that's the only way that you can grow. And it's fun. I like doing that. I like, we made t-shirts a year ago and I just started buying them and like, here, giving them to my son, giving them to, yeah, just take them. And it's just fun to do, but no, you're, it's kind of the idea behind that question is to promote yourself. Sorry, Canadian here. I got to promote myself. Eh? I know it's very <laughs> difficult for us up here up North there, eh? but you know, it is what it is. And you know, I'm all about the whole uh, promotion of ourselves as much as I hate doing that. Sorry. With all that, man, thank you for coming on. I actually, there's a lot of other questions I have, but I kind of want you to come back later on and uh, discuss some things later on down the line. We've covered a lot. I hope a lot of people that do watch this kind of understand and, and get a better understanding of you, of who you are, and the adventure and the journey that you took to get here and understanding that. And I kind of was framing this episode, I don't know if you realized it, as a kind of how-to in kind of getting into this a little bit it was it was one of those things where i was sitting there thinking like i'm talking to somebody who's been doing this for more than a decade this is a perfect opportunity to highlight hey this is a journey that anybody can take if you just have the drive and the excitement and the passion and i've said that so many times i know but it's true it is true and i i just i have to say it but thank you for being on the show well thank you so much i i do appreciate it. you know i I don't know if I answered your questions right. I definitely want to, to talk more about whatever you have questions on. And yeah. maybe I'll have some some other guests I can talk about as well, too. And then... I, I do look forward to having you on the show again at some point in time. Uh, I actually got a, quite a few interviews lined up with some awesome. pretty cool people. So I'm looking forward to doing that. A lot of people, I, I don't know why I kind of posted on Twitter that I was going to start doing this. And I had probably 10 messages within the span of like four or five days like hey i'll be on your show to do it and i'm like oh i didn't know there was a want for this but okay let's do it let's go so honestly like if you can keep doing that you'll never you'll never be short of guests you'll never be short of content you'll never be short of, of entertainment and fun yeah definitely but thank you thank you so much for being on man and thanks. talk to you later i appreciate it thanks so much <laughs> and i hope you have a great day there yeah Thank you all so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you go, you follow Kurt over on the Twits. You find him on YouTube and hit subscribe. Find him on the podcatching apps and follow there. It was such a pleasure to talk with him. I hope he enjoyed being on the show with me. I hope he comes back later on. But with all that said, everybody, I will talk at all of you later.